tune into my YouTube channel on Millennials on the Move interviews with entrepreneurs. She is on there talking about her business that we're going to get into a little bit because life happens, right? And things happen. We fall off, but we get back on and we keep riding and we make sure that we come back even harder um, than when we left off. So, hey girl, how you doing? Hey everyone, how are you? Monica Lewis, um, she's recently married, so when you look her up on my YouTube channel, she will have a different last name than she does now because life has changed drastically for her. Drastically in a short period of time. The very short period of time, she has a brand new baby girl and she's here with us now, (laughs) so you may hear cooing in the background, but look. Millennials on the Move is exactly that. We keep on moving, we get things done, and we make sure we capitalize on every moment. So, Bonica, what's up? What's so going on? So much has changed. I stopped doing waist beads and um, bracelets for two years. So now I'm just recently back. Um, I was on maternity leave, and I decided, like, let me pick it up and just start doing whatever I used to do before. And now I'm here. So can you talk us through, okay, so a little bit of backstory. So Vonica has lived in South Florida the majority of her life, all of her life, and she got married and moved. Yes. And I don't even believe you knew anyone where you moved. So talk a little bit about that. All right. So basically, um, my husband is in the military. He's stationed in I relocated to California thinking that it was a great idea, but it wasn't for me specifically. Um, my husband was telling me to start my business again, start my business again, but I wanted to start working. And um, where I was, it was mainly Hispanics, so they wanted me to speak Spanish. Even the jobs I was overqualified for would not hire me. So I was driving like over an hour to go to work every day, Monday through Friday. Wow. And I did not like that. So I came back to um, Florida because I was going to have a baby. I wanted that support system. And now I'm back. And now you're back. Yes. So you said you stopped doing waist beads. Can you tell us briefly um, exactly what were you thinking when you were like, I'm done doing it. I don't want to do this anymore. So what happened? All right. So for me, um, when I first started, I was so passionate about it. And I was like excited. I was creating waist beads. I was creating um, semi-precious bracelets. And... I had a very traumatic experience happen that caused me to not be able to create the same way that I used to. And I wasn't as passionate about it anymore. And then I tried and I tried and I just could not. So I had to take a break and now I'm feeling a lot better and I'm able to actually work and create ways again and feel that same passion that I felt in the beginning of when I started. Right. So you and I both had a conversation about, doing something going super hard and then something happening and just knocking us off of our game yes. completely. And so I think this is a testimony for people who let life or life gets in the way. Right. Yes. And you just got to get back on and keep going. You know, like I think it's okay when stuff like that happens because sometimes you have to cater to your mental health. Yeah. Right. You have to be healthy in order to be happy and to be passionate. Sure. And so I'm just super proud that you started again. You know what I'm saying? Because like you said, this is something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. And so can you tell us why waist beads? 
to be honest, when I started Yaidara, which was originally Yaidara Jewels, um, I started because I wanted to make waist beads for women. Because when I looked up the history of waist beads, I saw plus size women wearing it. I saw babies wearing it. And I literally, for me personally, I feel sexy when I'm wearing it. Even if I have a little pudge, I feel like it accentuates my waist. And then I want every woman to feel beautiful, powerful, sexy, regardless of how we may feel about ourselves or our right. section. Right. And that's literally why I started with waist beads, because I feel like that's something I believe in. That's something I could promote. And I do sell head wraps as well, but somehow I find myself promoting my waist beads more because I'm like, wow, when women wear it, regardless of the size, I feel like they get a boost of confidence and I really enjoy that. I enjoy it too. And you made one for me and you know, we all struggle with weight, right? We go up and down. Some of us go super hard because we got trips coming up. I know everybody can attest to that. Mm -hmm. Oh girl, in, in, in the summertime, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. So I got to get right for these six months. Mm -hmm. But the waist beads actually help with weight. Yeah. You know, it, the higher you get them, the lower they drop is how you can tell you're losing weight. Mm -hmm. So it's it's about being sexy, but it's also about, you know, being healthy and monitoring if you want to change something. Yeah. But loving your body overall mm -hmm. is honestly what I get out of the waist beads. That's what I get as well. And then as far as monitoring the weight, it's also important because a lot of women come to me and they're like, oh, what does it mean to wear a waist bead? Like, I see women wearing it, but I don't want to put something on me and offend somebody, especially like white women or Hispanic women, because they're not really sure what it is. Mm. But it's promoted as African waist beads. Because right. Because that's where it originally, originally originated. Came from. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was like, wait, can white women wear waist beads? <laughs> Yeah. I, okay. I can and see then, how. But then when I did, you know, deeper research, I realized Middle Eastern women, I don't think you a lot of people recognize it, but like when they're doing the belly dances or whatever, they have waist beads on. Mm. And then African women like everywhere are wearing it, but it's not just us. I've right. never seen white women wearing it, but of course, Middle Eastern women and things like that, just like right. wear head wraps. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I can see how that can kind of be... Um, it's kind of hard to support because I yeah. really still don't know how to answer that. Right. But for me, what I promote is different shapes, different sizes. Right. But I know my targeted audience is Black women. Right. But I don't really know, like, is it appropriation? So, no, I don't think it's appropriation because culturally it's african waist beads right mm -hmm. so if a woman from south a, a white woman from south africa mm -hmm. essentially she's a part of african culture yeah. she is by skin complexion a white woman but um her the tribe per se yeah. wasn't wearing it and you know i think it is cultural and i think it's something to speak on cultural differences mm -hmm. um but also people wanting to be a part of that cultural difference like yeah. it's like dang i know i'm a white woman but these waist beads make me feel blah yeah. blah blah because essentially we're going after the feeling yeah. not for the ethnicity exactly so yeah. explaining that you know to other mm -hmm. um just exactly what it is this is an african waist beads it's traditionally passed down <laughs> babies wear it uh uh teenagers wear it old people wear, you know Even she feels steady. us she feels <laughs> us right now like the thing about it is waist beads is like it's just so diverse. Every tribe wear it for different reasons. So right. for me it was like I don't think it is, but like I don't want to tell them to wear it and somebody's like, Oh, why are you wearing this? Yeah. But um because yeah. right now we're in an era where everybody's sensitive about 
everything. Right. So when I promote, I have to be mindful of what I'm promoting. And I don't want to put somebody out there wearing it and they get dragged by social media and stuff like that. I get it. So I think there's something behind that. People who are from different cultures, you know, they know different things about it. And so doing your research on why you're wearing race beads, why waist beads in the first place, um, we are African descent. So we are connected to that culture. So honestly, it will be for that individual to honestly take the backlash because no, you're not a part of that culture per se. You like what they're doing, but someone may view that as blah, blah, blah. So you need to be able to, you know what? I'm going to wear this and I know I'm not African American. I know I'm not African descent, Mm -hmm. but I want to wear waist beads. So whatever you choose to do and how you choose to defend yourself, just know that it came from a a culturally traditional place and you need to be giving reverence. And when you're wearing said things, you need to be doing uh, things that are not going to uh, bring negative attention yeah. to the culture and why you chose to do the waist beads. Exactly. So um, I think it's really important that we capitalize on our passions. Mm-hmm. And when things get in the way, how did you get to the point of clarity and ah, now I'm ready? So what, right. what, what, was, what was going on? It was not easy. But when I when they first happened, being in that I'm a social worker and I'm in that field where I'm constantly working with people that are going through trauma, I knew what I needed to do. I didn't know if it was going to work for me, but I knew what I needed to do. So the moment it happened, I decided I wanted to talk about it. And then when I started talking about it, I started feeling better, but I still couldn't create the waist beads or the bracelets. So I was like, okay, I'm not ready yet. Right. And honestly, every month, every year, or whenever I could, you know, mount the courage to make it, I made it. And now I'm at a point where I could make it without, you know, connecting it to that trauma. Because I created Waze Bees before the trauma happened. I'm like, why not create it after? Right. But that was me getting to the point where I could do that or, you know, disassociate my product with trauma. Right. So so you were able to disassociate mm-hmm. the experience from what yes. you were actually creating. Correct. And, you know, she is a social worker. But, you know, another thing we were talking about, it's so easy to give people advice and to be an expert at certain things. But it's kind of difficult to take your own yes. when it comes to you actually going mm-hmm. through these things, you know. So um, think about all the professionals in your life. Think about all the relationship gurus and personal trainers and everyone are that we're still individuals we're still individuals and we still have things that we have to work through as well um it's something to be said about being a hypocrite or something to be said about how you gonna tell me do this and you're not but you gotta let people you know find their way and you gotta be um I think sensitive to the fact that people are still trying to figure out mm-hmm. how they get through things. And then another thing that I struggled with was a lot of people didn't know why I stopped because I was getting all these orders. I had this huge clientele and I just stopped. So I'm not going to put out exactly what happened because I don't feel like it's for everyone to know. Right. But it was like, now I look flaky. Like what if I start my own business and I'm saying, oh, you're going to start for one month and then, never do it again or you know i just right. kind of like feared that judgment mm. but i had to get past that and understand that everything happened in our time when it's supposed to happen and i feel like now is my time 
of course, this time around is way harder. Mm. Because when I first started, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I could not give advice about how to market or anything like that. Because I literally posted it on Instagram one day and Snapchat, and I started getting orders. I didn't have to work for it. It was just consistent. Wow. This time, this time around, I have to market. I have to post every day. I have to make sure I'm reaching my audience. I have to make sure like I'm constantly posting and doing different things, networking. Right. And I feel like, and sometimes I say, maybe I should have never stopped, but then I realize that I'm starting over mm-hmm. and I'm going harder. Right. And I'm growing. So right. for me, I need to get over hey, 2016, Yaidara Jules, and focus on Yaidara. 2019. Yes. I love the fact that you're able to grow when experiences like this happen. And don't take them as, like, oh, one perfect thing I love. Just because you fail does not make you a failure. You know, and we, we try, we try again. We're human, we make mistakes, but... It's the way that you come back from that failure. It's the way that you figure out how to move forward that doesn't make you a failure, right? If you fail, okay, cool. Go back to the drawing board. How can I come back harder? So everybody who's listening out there, have you ever failed at anything? You're not a failure. You know, you just got to give it 110%. You know, you just got to give it 150%. You got to go super hard to make sure that you are learning from your mistakes and you're not making the same ones, you know? And uh, one thing that I really wanted some, like, others to learn from my story is that... Okay, so when I started in 2016, a lot of people did not know what waist beads were. Right. So it was easy for me to sell it. I just had to sell it the way I wanted to and, like, market it. Now more people are making it and for me to sell it and they're selling it for less and... I know the quality of my work and I know what I'm putting out there. I know right. how much I'm spitting on it. Right. Because I'm a perfectionist. So I want the best beads. I want the, and everyone's like, okay, well you could go to Michael's and get the beads. I'm specifically going to a bead store and like, I'm spending so much money. So for yeah. me, it's like, yes, they're selling it for this amount, but I don't want to sell it for that amount. Right. Cause you got quality things. Yeah. So for me, it's kind just of- because this person is selling it cheaper and for a certain price range it doesn't mean that, you know, I need to do the same. And a problem that I actually struggle with is pricing because I'm scared to charge. And mm. sometimes I'm like, okay, I would, for, for me, I would pay this much for it, but I know people aren't going to pay for it. So I down, like. Downsell yourself. Yeah, downsell myself. Yeah. And I feel kind of like a certain way about it, but I feel like, you know what? I'm starting over. Maybe I could start there and when my business grew and I'm at the point where I need to be, I could actually charge what I feel like I'm worth. Right. So I think it's really good that people understand that there is a market that is out there that is doing what you're doing, maybe doing better or maybe doing worse. But charging what you're worth and what you're, that's just what it is. The people who are into quality, the people who care about where these stones come from, what these gems actually mean. Like this is imported from Africa because it's imported from Africa. That already takes your sale up $20 personally. You know what I'm saying? So I think I feel like, you know, going through that whole, what should I charge? Are people going to buy it? Like that is a phase that we all go through when it comes to pricing, what we're worth in our products and our services. So finding a median, I think in all of that is so difficult. And I know a a lot of people are struggling with that, but you got to make a profit. That's what business is for, you know? And at the end of the day, quality 
it's going to sell. And so you just got to keep at it and figure out different price points, what works, what doesn't. Like if people bring somebody, then okay, you can get 10% off of yeah. blah, blah, blah. So um, it's definitely trial and error. And yes, waist beads are now more fashionable mm-hmm. now than they were three years ago, honestly. So there's something to be said about that. But yeah, I, I, I only I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And I was shook. I can't even think of another word for it because I thought I was going to start back again. I was going to get like 20 sales my first day. And I'm like, I got this. And I was taken aback because that is not what happened. <laughs> so in 2016, you just started your business. You're super excited, very passionate. What What did you do with all the money? Like when we talked about how you just you just weren't really thinking about your products and how much you were, you know, going to profit or how much you were going to buy. Okay. So what's up with that? So I tried to create a budget when I started. <laughs> okay. But I would go to a storm a stone place or a store and I'll see products that I want. And I start thinking of ideas and they loved me because I just started swiping. I spent thousands in (laughs) like capital S of dollars on semi-precious stones and the bees alone. Of course, a lot of people probably think, yeah, you could go to Michael's and buy the bees. I was going to a specific bead store that was, probably overcharging on the bees, but they had the most beautiful colors. <laughs> and I feel like it was very dumb of me as, you know, a startup business because I was spending more than I was making. Mm. And of course, you're going to spend a lot before you start seeing profit, but I was doing it recklessly. Mm. And this time around, the one thing I did learn from my last time is how to spend, what to buy, what to not buy. So I'm doing it different now. And I would highly recommend really sticking to your budget from the beginning or it's just not going to work out. So key pointers, everyone, when you are starting a business, yes, you are going to spend money, but you also need to make a profit. That's why you chose to do your business, right? That's how business is going to continue. That's how business is going to grow. You're going to have customers, but it needs to you, you don't need to break even. You need to actually make a profit so that you can support yourself or at least be a substantial amount of passive income, right? Or another stream of income that you're adding. So to wrap everything up, you know, it's it's very admirable to say that I started a business, but it's even more admirable to say I'm running a successful one. Yeah. So what tips can you give um, being back in the business world? Give us a pointer that you've learned um, from then and then how you applied it to now. Okay, so there's three pointers. One is to research your competition. And of course, we could all win. We could all have the same business and still make profit. But I feel like it is so, so important to know who your competition is. Because once you know your competition, you already know what people like. They already did the background work for you why don't you use it because now you already have that you know what's the word i'm looking for you already have that blueprint where you could be like okay well her customers like this the most they're buying this already so now when you're creating your inventory when you're buying things you already know this is the look that people are going for Mm. you could capitalize on it Mm -hmm. the second thing is knowing what your budget is 
But before you create that budget, actually doing research to see how much you actually need to invest in that type of business that you're going into. Right. Before going to a store and buying everything you see, because you're going to like almost everything. Right. And then adding a couple of hundred onto that. Yes. Just for some cushion. <laughs> yes. Like at least an extra 500. <laughs> right. Um, and then the third thing is knowing when to do what's best for you. Because I feel like we're at a stage where, you know, a lot of our friends are going to want to do businesses and we're kind of questioning like, okay, well, my friends is launching right now. Should I launch right now? And like, you're self-conscious about what you're supposed to be doing. I feel like, and third tip would be to invest smart. I would highly suggest depending on what you're marketing or selling to buy a professional camera. Because when you first start, you're going to want to market. And when you're taking pictures on your smartphone, it's okay quality. But you want your pictures to be crisp. You want to advertise it a certain way. Because our people are visual. You could be like, okay, my product is quality. My product is this and that. But if your pictures do not show that, people are just not going to spend the money you want them to spend on your product. Right. So there's something to be said about quality over quantity. <laughs> so everyone focus on that when you're starting your businesses, when it is a product and when it is a service product more so people are visual. They want to see what it looks like on other people. They want to see how many people have bought this and what they look like. So um, take into consideration all those great tips and I'm going to be bringing you more content. I'm so glad that Monica joined us again today in her second journey, her second trial and error of trusting her process and just going for it after she came back from, you know, a, a bit of trauma, but also uh, the silver lining, being married and actually having probably the greatest blessing to her life right now, which is her daughter. So there's things to be said about starting fresh and starting new and understanding where you're going, what your bigger picture is. So everybody out there who wants to start a business, who has a passion, who has a purpose, deal with your inner stuff because it could get in the way. I am one of the people that that happens to. Um, but it's getting through those things and just taking action and moving forward. So thank you so much for being with us today. And that is a wrap. We will Please keep listening to Millennials on the Move. Please subscribe, please like and share, and write a review if it's something that you heard. Comment below and let us know how you felt about it. You are tuned in to Millennials on the Move podcast. Do you have an idea? Do you feel like you can capitalize on your talents, something that you're good at so you can start making passive income? You got to check out my free webinar, Idea to Income. I am laying out the blueprint. I will leave the information at the bottom. Please feel free to check it out. It's free, y'all. Happy listening.